everybody doing this morning? Let me try to get, how's everybody doing this morning? Good. Good, good, good. I'm excited to be with you all back this morning here. Let me uh, share with you what I have with me today, and then we'll dive in. Uh, those of you who, uh, you know, this is a book I've written that stated, Wounded Lions, Your Loudest Roar Comes from Your Deepest Wounds. Uh, just a reminder again that uh, to all God's daughters and sons, that uh, you aren't just going through something, God's taking you somewhere. So if you're interested in that, that's there. Uh, this is a book I've written specifically for fathers. It's called The Father 40-Day Challenge. And uh, like I said, me and my children had a great time writing this book. And uh, it is a devotional for men, okay? And uh, I brought with me today a, uh, uh, one of my uh, uh, books that I wrote specifically for dads as well. This one is called Fight Like a Man. May your hand freeze to the sword. It's a challenge to men uh, to, uh, to just remain in position as God will uh, lead us in this generation here. So any, any readers in the house, any readers in the house, let me give something away here. I want Let me give something away here. So uh, right, right here, we're going to get that to you right there. The general people are running right here. Any readers in the house, come to the back here. This is probably this one too, though, but if you know a guy, if you know a guy, there you go. All right. All those are, I got some over there, they're $10 if you guys are interested, okay? It is an honor to be with you. We have been taking a journey this week, and it has been a lot of fun. I tell you that. I told my wife yesterday, I said, you better come and stop me because I am acting crazy in this week. <laughs> acting crazy, thanks for the picture, by the way. <laughs> she said, I'm acting crazy. She said, I know I got proof. Got proof. My wife has a friend in the room. She said, yeah. So I said, oh, you're getting in from inside information. So today, here's what we're going to do. We're going to be focusing. We've been focusing on family and fighting for family. That is the focus of what I do in my ministry. For those of you who are meeting, for, meeting me for the first time, I live in the city of Saginaw, born and raised there. I've lived in other parts of the country, but at this time, I live back in Saginaw. I am the family life pastor at Grace Valley Church uh, in the city of Saginaw. I also run a ministry there called Power of Dad. We work with fathers and fatherless young men, ages 11 through 18. Uh, for the last 28 years of my life, uh, I've been traveling and speaking in all 50 states in this country and several other, several other countries. Uh, family is my heart. I love meeting people. I find people fascinating. Uh, I believe that everybody you meet has an incredible story. Okay? If you'll just take the time to listen to them that uh, people are absolutely amazing, and most of all, God is absolutely amazing. You agree with that? Today we're going to do something, and this will be just a little bit different today. We are going to focus on family, okay? And we're still going to be talking about tools for family, but I want to speak, as I've been praying about this, I want to speak specifically to you as well this morning. I want to speak specifically and directly to you. Because here's what I also know. Is that often as parents' lives go, thus goes the family. Okay? So this weekend in the past few weeks I've had a few calls from moms or dads who have just abruptly lost their jobs. Okay? Uh, I talked to a dad about a week ago who just built a new home last year. They just moved into a home last year. And moving into that home, and just last week, he just <coughs> noticed that he has 30 days and his department's gone, okay? And so this is just real life stuff happening. This is what happens. And what kids don't know is that often these things are happening in parents' lives, and then they don't know why parents are reacting the way that they're reacting. They don't understand the stresses of parenthood or being mom or being dad. Okay. So we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about what I like to call divine interruptions. Okay? Everybody repeat after me. Divine, divine interruptions. interruptions. And here's the importance of this. That there are things that happen in life, and there's a scripture that I try to live by. There are things that happen and happen unexpectedly, but there's a scripture that I live by, and that scripture is simply this. That God works all things out for the good, for those who love him and who are called according to his will. Amen. He works in all life for our good. I'll tell you a couple, a couple of quick stories of some divine interruptions. 
My wife has a twin sister. We have six straight generations of multiples, twins and triplets. Yeah, something's in the water. Something is in the water. Six straight, six straight generations of multiples, twins and triplets. You think that's crazy? Seven sets of multiples in this generation, twins and triplets. So six straight generations and seven sets of them in this generation, and they all live in the city of Saginaw. Just so, you know. okay. so if you happen to be there, you go, didn't I just say Any given day at my house, there are three to four sets of multiples sitting in my living room. Any given day, my wife is also a twin, and so... Um, that's, and what she told me when I married her, she says, hey, don't worry, nobody in our family, no multiple has ever had a multiple. Guess what she did? <laughs> they are no, no identical. None of them are identical. Uh, but they look enough alike. You know? <laughs> they look enough alike. That's how I knew you guys are sisters, okay? That uh, it is obvious that that's someone's twin there, okay? So that's, that's the way it works within our family. My wife's twin sister, I was living in the city of Detroit, and uh, my phone rings, I answer it, and here's what I hear on the other side of the line. I, I'm about to have a divine interruption. My life, I'm going about my day, here's what I hear on the other side of the phone. And I said, who is this? And she says, this is your sister. And I said, how can I help you? And she says, uh, I need you to take me to the hospital. I says, okay, what's going on? She says, I'm about to have a baby. Yeah. Now, at this time, I had no kids. And my first question was, where's your husband at? Okay. She says, I can't find him. I need you to take me to the hospital. And I got to be honest with it. I said, that ain't happening. Okay. <laughs> I haven't had kids. I, don't, I, I didn't know anything about this. I said, that's not happening, okay? I see your judgmental eyes. I see, I, I, I see your judgmental Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Okay? I said, that's not happening. And she said, get over here now. <laughs> when a woman's voice changes like that, you know you better do what you're talking about. That's what I said. She, she went from, to get over here now! Okay? I jump in the car, I'm zooming across the highway in Detroit to get my sister-in-law, who also lived in Detroit at the time, and I'm like, eh, eh. I mean, it, it, one moment I'm just sitting in my office doing sermon prep, right? And the next moment, my day has been interrupted, and I'm zooming across the highway to try to get this lady to the hospital, right? I'm like, eh, eh, eh. <laughs> Sounds like a cool car <laughs> It was not. It was a bad muffler. Okay? <laughs> Horrible car. Right? I, get, I get to my sister's home, and sure enough, there she is. She's, I'm thinking, where is your husband at? Why am I doing this, right? I pick her up in my arms, because she can't walk at this time. So I pick her up in my arms. And I'm carrying her to my car, and she says, I'm going to have this baby right here in your oh. arms. <laughs> True story. Oh. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? <laughs> I told my sister, true story. I said, don't do that. I'm going to drop you. <laughs> anything anyone had ever seen. 
It was almost like she could just reach out and touch it. It was beautiful. It was the golden arches. <laughs> this morning, are there any people in this room 
who knows what it feels like to be guilty and yet to be set free because of what Jesus Christ done on the cross for us. Barabbas that day had what I call a divine interruption. In other words, Jesus Christ took his place. He was guilty, but Jesus stepped in and literally took his place. It is a picture of what God has done for mankind. Who is Barabbas? It's you. It's me. We are guilty. We should be the ones that were paying the price, and yet there was a divine interruption where Jesus stepped in and took his place. And that should be the same thing for us. It's called the grace and the mercy of God. Here's a question for you. Who was Barabbas after Christ saved him? I don't know. A better question is who am I after Christ stepped in and had a divine interruption in my own life? The scripture goes on in verse 26 and it goes into the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and it says this. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon of Cyrene who was on his way in from the country and he put the cross on him and he made him carry it behind Jesus. Let's pray. Daddy God, we come to you this morning. We thank you for who you are and what you're going to do in this place this morning, what you're already doing. We thank you for the laughter that fills this room, Lord God, and the world, God, that tells us uh, that, that, that just so much hurt and pain is in. It's, it's good to be in a place, Lord God, where we can talk about you, that peace can fill the room, and that laughter can fill the room, Lord God. We give you praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. <laughs> What's happening here? Jesus stops. There's a divine interruption. Jesus stops one man's crucifixion. And then as we move into the crucifixion of Christ, what we see is he invites another man into his own crucifixion. Let me paint it again. Barabbas is about to be crucified. He's about to be killed. Jesus stops it. He interrupts it. And then he meets a man by the name of Simon of Cyrene as he's about to be crucified. And somehow Simon of Cyrene is invited into the crucifixion of Christ. It is a picture of what happens to us as believers. That God saves us from what we should have received in this life. And at the same time he invites us to share in the crucifixion and the life of Christ at the same time. What's happening here is with Jesus is at this moment, he is led to the cross. He is betrayed by Judas. He is judged by those who be, should be standing with him. He is lied on. He is beaten and he is mocked. Again, today's sermon is simply entitled Divine Interruptions. And we're going to see how a divine interruption played a role in Simon of Cyrene's life and in his family's life. Who is Simon? What is his story? What has led him to Jerusalem? And why is he here at this scene in Scripture? Simon had one sentence in Scripture that turned into a historical moment, a life-changing moment. One moment with Jesus can change everything. One verse with Jesus can change everything. One second, one encounter, and one divine interruption that not only changed his life, According to historians, it changed his family's life as well. Simon of Cyrene was from Libya, the northern part of Africa. He and his two sons, Rufus and Alexander, it is important to remember those two names, they take a journey to the holy city to celebrate a religious holiday known as the Passover. Now, the Passover was simply just a divine interruption as well. It was a moment where you called a time out and you went to honor God and things were taking place. The Passover was taking place even then. The Passover was a divine interruption as well. Notice I said that Simon of Cyrene was from Africa and that he come to this place. So it would have taken him, according to historians, it would have taken him at least a, a, a month to get to where he was at, and it would have taken at least a thousand miles to get where he was standing that day as well. In other words, he was on a collision course with destiny. 
Two travelers on a road, one journeying from Africa, the other one coming from heaven to earth to show the way. Remember the song? And they are about to have a collision course. Simon of Cyrene would never be the same. And Simon of Cyrene's sons, Alexander and Rufus, his family, would never be the same. Let me give you a definition of divine interruption so that as we move forward here this morning, we are on the same page, okay? It simply means this, interruption. It means to cut in. Write it down if you can. To cut in, and I love the picture of this because what it literally means is Where's my lineman at again? I need my lineman. I need my lineman. My big guys, my, my lineman here. What's, uh, I didn't get, my third guy's not in the room. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yeah, come on. Recruit. Yeah, I'm recruiting. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, you see that? He said, yeah. Early, he said, yeah. He's not going to mess with me. I'm not a big guy. <laughs> Here's something beautiful. And we're going to do this. I want you to see this. It means to cut in. Imagine being in line. Face this way, gentlemen. Face this way. Imagine being in line, waiting to be judged. Divine interruption means that Jesus cuts in and says, I, I, I got this. I'll handle this. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful picture. That the reason we're standing here today, the reason we're all able to sit here and laugh together today is because he cut in. There was a divine interruption. It means this. It means interference, that God would play interference if there is animosity between the two, that God would step in and go, hey, wait a minute, don't talk to my son like that. This is what he does for us. Another picture. It means this. It means intervention, disturbance, butting in, sticking his nose where it should not be. Aren't you glad that God does that for us? I am glad he does that for us. It means this. It means to barge in or to muscle your way into a situation that God at times I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a situation where you were sure you would never be rescued out of it? You were sure you would never survive it? You were in your darkest moment, and somehow God drops his shoulder and starts pounding the door in to come in to get his son, come in and get his daughter, and he kicks the door in and he rescues you? What a beautiful image. Let's give my football team a handcuff. <laughs> Pushing people around. I want to talk to him. <laughs> talk to him, okay? That's what you want. Yeah, you see that? Yeah, yeah just pushing people around. God will drop his shoulder, kick in the door to come and rescue you. The divine interruptions of God. You thought you were here for one reason, and maybe this week you find out you're here for an absolutely different reason. You thought you were going to walk into this room this week possibly and have one type of experience and then God has divinely interrupted and maybe something different is happening in your life. Throughout history there were divine interruptions. God told Noah to build a boat to save his family. That boat was a divine interruption. Abraham was about to sacrifice his son and there was a beautiful divine uh, interruption when God said, wait, there's a ram in the bush. We see divine interruptions over and over and over. Esther herself in scripture was a divine interruption that saved her people. You see, although Simon had come a long way, Jesus had come much further than he did. I want you to know this. You're never going to put more effort in it than God does. God's coming to get you. He is suddenly ushered into the moment that would change his life forever. Imagine that he wakes up in Africa. He and his family pack up. They head to the Passover in Jerusalem. A month later, a thousand miles later, and something special is about to take place. I want you to write this down here. Fourth point. I want you to write the word stop. 
These are very simple yet powerful points that I'm going to give to you this morning. Stop. Simon is standing on the side of the road that is leading to Golgotha. And if you would imagine with me, he's standing there with his two sons, his family. He starts asking questions because the Bible tells us that he just comes from the fields. He, he starts asking questions. He does not know what's going on. He's standing on the side of the road that's leading to Golgotha. He starts asking questions. What's happening? Who is this man? What did he do to deserve such a beating? What's happening in this place? Some of us in the same way we have for years, for years, have been standing on the side of the road and asking the same questions. Who is this man? And I've come to say that his name is Jesus. He's the King of Kings, and he's the Lord of Lords. Had Simon just decided to move past what God was speaking to him that day, he may have missed one of the greatest moments of his life. We move in a world that is moving. We live in a world that's moving so fast, so quick, so fast, so quick. Go, 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 go. And sometimes it's difficult to just stop. See what God is doing. Hear what God is doing. Stop. One of the beautiful things about coming to a camp like this is that you bring your family and you stop. You get to focus on one another. You get to look at each other in the eyes and build relationships and make memories that you will never forget. And stopping, the importance of stopping is that you get to hear the voice of God in the midst of your stop. And sometimes that stop is a divine interruption. It is exactly what you needed. Amen? Amen. I was playing in a football game. Matter of fact, we were playing in the championship football game. We were losing the game. It was third and 11, and we had to get the first down. And I, I remember we were probably 60 yards away from the end zone, late in the game. And it made sense that we would probably punt the ball. We ended up running the particular play. And this was a pass play, and I'm just supposed to, quarterback hikes the ball, I'm just supposed to run over here, and I'm the last guy that he's going to throw it to if nobody's open. He's going to check there, he's going to check there, he's going to check there. If nobody else is open, he'll throw it to me. I'm supposed to be right here. But in the midst of the game, true story, I hear a guy says, stop. And my first thought was, God, is that you? What are you doing out here? <laughs> this is reminiscent of my crazy sister. What are you doing out here? Don't you know these people are animals? They will hurt you out here, Jesus. And those sandals you're wearing, Jesus, that's not gonna work out here. You need you need cleats, Jesus. And here's why I hear God speaks in the middle of the game. No audible voice, nothing that says, who is your father? Nothing like that. <laughs> Just a still, quiet voice. And literally, you'll see this on video. If you ever look at this video, if it's on YouTube, I go out for this pass, I'm over here, and I pause. And my pause, it's only a pause for a second, but my pause was conversation. God, is that you? Quiet, he says, stop. And here's what he said to me, quickly. True story. Run down the field so that when the ball bounces off the defensive back and the receiver and the defensive back, you can catch it. Mm -mm. Oh, my God. Coach will kill me. You don't get to championship games by not being disciplined. You stay right here. You're disciplined. This can't be God. I hear it in a fraction of a second again. And I said, oh boy, this better be God. <laughs> I take off down the field. I'm running. And I'm running by faith. This is a divine interruption. And I'm so glad I stopped to hear what he was saying. I'm running down the field. I see my quarterback drop back, and he does this. And I'm thinking, that's a good, that's, that's good. <laughs> and he launches the ball down the field. 
I'm thinking, okay, this is going okay right now. But I'm down here. All of a sudden, ball gets down the field. My receiver goes up. He jumps. Ball hits his hands, bounces out of his hands, hits the defensive back shoulder, bounces off of his shoulder. And as soon as I cross the goal line, ball lands in my hands, and I fall in the end zone. We're champions. And then I got to go talk to the coach, right? <laughs> what are you doing down there? <laughs> what are you doing down there, right? I hop up, and I, I hop up. I'm like, yes, right? And my teammate goes, you did it. You scored. And here's what I say to my teammate. Who cares? God just talked to me. <laughs> And he says, Pruitt, you need to talk to Pruitt. He's out there saying God's talking to him. And Coach says, I don't care what he said, leave him alone. <laughs> you leave Pruitt alone. <laughs> what he didn't know is before that game, my coach walks up to me and he goes, So, how you doing, Brian? I said, I'm doing great. And he says, So, I got a question for you. You know, we got a championship game today. I said, Yes. He says, uh, he says, uh, did you pray this morning? I said, yeah. He said, you think your God's going to show up? I said, oh, he'll be here. He says, that's what I needed to hear. That's what I needed to hear. Listen. That's great. I, I wrote a book some years ago. It's called Four for the Key. And on the front cover of the book is me jumping up after that catch. And I put that on the cover just to, just to remind myself there are divine interruptions that happen in life. Simon of Cyrene makes the greatest stop of his life. He's standing on the side of the road. He's watching that. He's watching this man be beaten, and he doesn't know why. He doesn't know who he is. Remember, he's from Africa. He has no idea who this guy is and why people are yelling and screaming and shouting. I can imagine that his children are terrified. They're like, Daddy, what is this? What's going on? Why are they, why are they beating this man like that? Who is this? I can imagine he's trying to hide his children's eyes and keep them close their ears. You guys, turn around. I don't, I don't want you to see this. But they can hear the crowd angry, spitting at Jesus, throwing things at Jesus, uh, swearing at Jesus. All these things are taking place. They're watching people beat him, kick him, stone. All these things are taking place. Jesus is a bloody mess. And yet here's Simon. He's trying to hide within the crowd. According to scripture, he's just standing in the crowd. But he's just like us. Many of us try to hide in crowds. And isn't it interesting that God still picked him out of a crowd? Hello! You can't hide. You have the call of God on your life. Your family's depending on you to answer that call. Generations of your family, that if you walk in faith, will walk in faith. That if you don't walk in faith, may not walk in faith. As I told you earlier this week, I come from four generations of physical abuse and a murder. Somebody had to turn the story around. My belief and my hope is that after me, generations of my family will make a different decision because I stopped. I would like to think that I'm the divine interruption in the story. And some of you are the divine interruption in the story and the legacy of your families. Some of you are the offspring of somebody who was the divine interruption of the story of your family. Simon of Cyrene, hiding in the crowd, Roman soldier looks at him and says, you, get over here. Because by now Christ, he's lost so much blood, he has the patibulum, is what they call it. The patibulum, it is a part of the cross. Some of you guys, I wonder why did I bring this in my building in addition to the building or what? It's the patibulum. And what it is, is it's just the top part of the cross. It's the part that Jesus would have had. It would weigh up to 100 to 125 pounds. 
And after being beaten and all the loss of blood, here's Jesus coming down the road, headed to Golgotha to be crucified, to stand in place of the people who should be there. I would imagine Jesus falling to his knees. The Roman soldier says to Simon of Cyrene, you, get over there, help him pick up his cross. I could imagine Simon saying to himself, me? I, I don't even know this man. But here's how this would work. A Roman soldier would have the authority, and when they have the authority, when they say, you do something, you do it or you die. He was stuck with a decision. His response was correct. And here's Jesus. Here's Jesus, falls to his knees. Because the room's a little bit smaller today, I'll remain standing. But Big Tim, can you come help me out right quick? Imagine this. Imagine Jesus with the cross. He falls to his knees. Simon of Cyrene responds to the command of the Roman soldier. And here's what happens. I would only imagine that as he gets close to Jesus, that he must have eye contact with Jesus. If I, if I know our God, I wasn't there. But as compassionate, as loving as he is, I can only imagine that when Simon would show up, that, that Jesus would probably do this. And imagine what that moment would be like. That you would come to assist the Savior in being the deliverer of all mankind. And that when you got there, he would look you straight in the eyes. And that when you got there, I, I can only imagine, I know how compassionate our God is. It wouldn't surprise me at all had he said, And I can imagine that Simon would say, how, how, how do you know who I am? I am the creator of the world. I'm the son of God. I'm the king of kings. I am the Lord of lords. In addition, it wouldn't surprise me if he even spoke in his language. How do you know my language? The same way that he knows ours. He knows your love language. He knows how to reach your heart. He knows what you've been through. He knows what's happened to you. And as Simon would take the cross, and as Simon would begin to help Jesus, he would get a different perspective. And here's a perspective he would get. Thanks, big fella. Give him a hand, Clint. Here's the perspective he would have gotten. He was not one of the 12 disciples, but he was the one that can tell you what the cross felt like. None of them could tell you which way the grain of the wood went, but Simon could. None of them can tell you how the, the smell of Christ's blood in the wood smelled, but Simon could. None of them can tell you the weight of the patibulum, but Simon could. He was the one. The one person. The Bible says that Simon then helped carry Christ carry the cross, and as he helps him carry it, it says he follows behind him. Big Tim, come here again right quick. Stand in front of me. You're walking in front of me now. Turn your back towards me. And here's the picture. He's walking behind Christ. Remember, Scripture says that if any man come after me, he must pick up his cross and Simon has no idea that he is fulfilling prophetic Scripture. Imagine the 3D view he has now. He doesn't even 
even know where he's going. He's not from there. He's from Africa. He's following the Savior. And what does he see? He sees the stripes. He sees the wounds. He sees what's setting him free. And over the top of Jesus, what does he see? He sees Golgotha. A place that would be known shortly as a place where Christ died. He sees it. Here's the interesting thing. He's thinking, I don't know who this man is, but what I know is this. What I know is this, I'm going to follow him to where he's going to this place. Thank you, big guy. Let me explain. Got Gotham for just a moment. This is not a beautiful place. It's a place that looks like the mountain itself, looks like the head of a skull. It is not a clean place. It is not a fun place. It would be a place where many people have been crucified before, where much blood had been shed before. It would be a place, according to historians, that wild dogs would gather to eat what might be left there, where vultures might show up to eat what might be left there. And here's Simon of Cyrene carrying the cross, following this man, and he's thinking, oh my God, where are we going? What's that smell? What's going on here? And people are angry. <clears throat> I want you to understand something. Jesus was doing something all the way to the cross. <clears throat> and something else was happening all the way to the cross. Let's go, let me hit the rewind button for just a moment. Rewind button. <laughs> Where is Delisha? That's my wife. Stop me from this. <laughs> I want to I want to rewind all the way back to the fact that remember who I told you was with Simon of Simon? You may have been wondering where I'm going. Right? What does this got to do with him? You know who watched him, him follow Christ to the cross that day? His two boys. You know why you're serving Christ every day? You wake up. Because you want your children to see you pick up your cross and follow Christ daily. They're watching, just like Alexander and Rufus was watching their father that day. Your children, your grandchildren are watching you follow hard after God. They're watching their dad from a distance. They're keeping an eye on him. They're watching him follow the Messiah. Christ is doing something on his way to the cross and he's teaching us something. There are divine interruptions happening all the way to the cross, to the crucifixion. It starts with Simon of Cyrene. Stop. Second point, write it down. Look. Look at what God is doing right in front of us. The third point is listen. The crowd was saying, who is this man? Do you know that society is still asking that question? Who is this man? Who does he think he is that he gets to determine my eternity? Who is this man? Who is this man that would die for me even though I'm guilty? Who is this man who won't stop loving me even though I'm angry with him? Stop. Look. Listen. The fourth point is respond. Stop, look, listen, respond. Your eternity is based on your response. And not only is your eternity based on your response, here's the truth. 
children's eternity may be based on our response. I want my kids to watch me pick up my cross and follow hard after Jesus. And in return, I believe by the grace of God that my children will say that I want to serve the God of my mother and the God of my father. And so the statement will be made such as, as we have read a million times in scripture, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here's the picture right here. I need Abraham. I need Isaac. Come here, guys. And I need Jacob. Come here, coach. Here's the picture. Right here. Stand right here, coach. Stand right here, big fella. Stand right here. As you guys like to see, I like to use people. I'm an image guy. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Here's reality. From where I'm standing as a believer, I should be able to touch at least three generations of my family. How powerful is your decision to pick up your cross and follow Christ? Alexander and Rufus is waiting for my faith to be lived out. Truth is, is there are children and grandchildren that you have yet to even meet who have not even been born yet. But your faith from here can touch them there. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what was God teaching us when he was showing us that? He was teaching us is that your faith does not die with you. Your faith outlives you. Just like your actions, your behaviors, and your choices. Give these gentlemen a hand clap. Thank you, Abraham Isaac. Thank you. Alexander and Rufus, they watch. Divine interruption. Simon's life. Divine interruption. Remember, they said that they were women who were crying on the side of the road, and Jesus looked at them and said, Don't cry for me. Divine interruption. Jesus is on his way to the cross, and as they're uh, uh, as they're nailing him to the cross, he looks at his mother and one of his disciples, and he says, "This is your mother. This is your son." Divine interruption. Jesus is on the cross. He has two thieves next to him. One of them says, "If you're the Son of God, do something." The other one says, "Jesus." He says, "Please remember me." And Jesus says, I promise you this day you will be with me in paradise. Divine interruption right there. Even on the cross. Now here's what I want you to realize. As Christ is headed to the cross, he's still preaching the gospel. And not only is he preaching the gospel, he's preaching the gospel to people of different races, different cultures, different economic backgrounds didn't matter to him. Divine interruption. Divine interruption. My divine interruption. 18 years old. Sitting at an altar at a church and I give my life to Christ. And it rewrites question for you this morning as we get ready to close this thing out. If you look back over your life, you too may find, and where might you find, that a divine interruption of God has happened. And maybe it wasn't always what we wanted, but it was always the heart and the mind of God. He knows what he's doing. Look back at some of the divine interruptions and they're painful. Sometimes I'm not saying that God wanted you to lose people or those things like that. Please don't take it that way. Because we know that when people pass, it's hurtful. But what I'm saying to you is this. God can and he will work all things out. He'll kick in a door. He'll barge in and rescue kick doors down to save. Let me tell you about a divine interruption that has me standing here today. 
1995. I'm standing in my living room with my family. I'm the second leading rusher in the country. I've battled it out with the Heisman Trophy winner all season long for the nation's leading rusher. I entered into the NFL draft, and I'm to be drafted in the second round by the Miami Dolphins. My childhood dream is about to become true. I'm 50 years old. If I go to my mother's home to this day, I can go to my old bedroom, and on my old bedroom wall, there are two things. There's the pictures of NFL running backs. So when I was a kid, I would wake up and I would see what I wanted to become every single day when I woke up before I went to school. And I saw what I wanted to become before I went to bed. I put my vision on my wall, and it helped me make some decisions. The other picture was the picture of a world map, which was really strange. I would, as a little boy, walk up to that map. I would close my eyes, and I would let my finger fall wherever. Wherever my finger fell, I would say, wow, oh, that's what I'm going to speak someday. <clears throat> I would grab a piece of paper and I would begin to write speeches. I didn't know I was having divine interruptions in my bedroom. I would write a speech and then I would get my cassette player. I would take these two fingers and push those two buttons. You remember those yeah. two buttons? <laughs> Good old days right there. <laughs> Take my little cassette, put it in there, and everything was fine as long as you heard that smooth air. But then if you heard that rattle, that means you had to pull it out and do this, right? You gotta get a pen and you gotta do this, right? Good old days, right? Who wants this stuff where music is coming from? You can't even see where it's coming from, right? And then I would record myself speaking. standing in the corner with their cameras waiting for the local kid to go big. Silence is filling the room. I don't like this, Jesus. <laughs> the phone finally rings. I answer it. It's my agent. He says, Mr. Pruitt, we got a problem. I said, yeah, I would say so. <laughs> he says, you remember when you were at the NFL Combine? I said, yes. When you're there, you do about 100 different physical exams. You're not, you literally hop back on a plane and you're sore from physical exams. There are guys walking into rooms, we all got on, it's like a catapult. You got on gym shorts and that's it. And you're walking into rooms like you're big and bad, and then you come out of the room like this. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 rubber gloves over there. <laughs> self-esteem in the world. You come out of that room, no confidence in yourself whatsoever. <laughs> he said when you were at the combine, they found some issues. It was the way your spinal cord is made. They found out that the way your spinal cord is made makes you more susceptible to being paralyzed at this level of playing football. I'm so sorry to tell you, all the teams are backing off. You, some of you are old enough to probably remember when guys were getting their neck broke and all those things. A lot of that was happening in the NFL. I was a part of the first group of people, maybe one of the first one or two guys, that the NFL said, we've got to save the shield. And you're not bigger than the shield. There'll be other Brian Pruitts to come. And they said, sorry. I fell through the draft. I ended up with the Falcons as a free agent. The Falcons eventually, after about no longer than a year, they helped me discover what NFL stands for. Not for long. 
I just tell people I play in the NFL, and they go, you do? I says, yes, the National Fatherhood League. <laughs> Teams will begin to back off of it because of the issue I have with my neck. And finally, I prayed and I asked God, we're still talking divine interruptions. I said, God, what is this? You asked me to give my life to you, my talents and my abilities to you. And I did that. I served you, God. I served you. I'm your warrior. Why, why would you do this? And here's what God spoke to me. He said, Brian Prude, you know what your problem is? You don't believe in prayer. I said, what are you talking I pray all the time. What are you talking about? <laughs> He says, you remember all those times you said to me, God, take my life and use me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your problem is that you don't think I hear you when you pray. And now you're angry when you find out that I hear you when you pray. He says, I'm doing what you asked me to do. You said, God, take my life and use me. And now I'm taking your life and I'm using you. I have divinely interrupted your life. <clears throat> you had two posters on your wall as a kid. And I'm calling you to do the other one. You can cause the crowd to cheer and stand to their feet. Or you can cause the crowd to bow their knee and confess me as Lord. You choose, but you're going to have to pick up your cross, and you're going to have to follow me. Can I be honest with you? I found myself in a fetal position on the floor that day, crying like a baby. My wife was next to me holding me. <laughs> it was a day of surrender. The day of surrender. God, I submit to your divine interruptions, even when they don't look like <coughs> they, they should. And I end up in places like this, and I go, oh, <laughs> this is why. <laughs> then I end up in schools where kids are wanting to take their life, and I go, oh, this is why. Then I end up speaking to people when, God begins to do spiritual CPR in your life. And you go, oh, this is why. Because life's bigger than you. That's why. It's bigger than you. That's why. Divine interruptions. When people ask my son, hey, do you want to be a football player like your dad? He goes, no, I don't want my back hurting like that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> 
Say that again. Was it was I was the same running back poster on your wall or was it just one? It was a picture of the greatest running back ever, Walter Payton. Yeah. Yeah. And Barry Sanders. Walter Payton and Barry Sanders. Guys, it has been my honor. I'll be back tomorrow if you're interested. There's some books over there, okay? GBG. <laughs>